I'm going to preach a little bit out of John chapter 6 this morning as we continue our series in the Gospel of John, which is so timely for us. And here in this story, we have the disciples looking for loaves, and they are counting them up, and they're looking for the multitudes to be fed, and there is a small boy's lunch that doesn't seem to be enough for the multitude of people. You know, there's a lot of counting going on in our world. Uh, Some people don't even know how many kids they have, but I bet they know how many rolls of toilet paper they have in their house. I mean, it's crazy. For God's sakes, folks, I mean, listen, the store... The shelves are cleared on this, and I'm not sure what's going on, but, but listen, don't, don't panic and do not fret. I mean, you would think we have uh, about with Armageddon diarrhea or something, but I just want to encourage you, just take it easy, and uh, I've just been praying, Jesus, multiply the toilet paper. Okay. Uh, you know, in our lives, we love leftovers, and uh, if you have leftover time, you have leftover money. You have leftover food. Listen, we ought to be thankful, and we ought to be the ones that lead the praise procession because that means God has been good to you, and he has been good to us. So every time you have a leftover, it ought to be a lesson to be grateful. In John chapter 6, we have a situation that I want to look at today that involved leftovers as disciples are looking for loaves. It's one of the great miracles recorded in the New Testament, and it's the only miracle beside the resurrection that's recorded in all four of the Gospels. This was one for the record, and this was one not to be missed. And so we see Jesus, we find him, he's on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and the crowds were growing as he was ministering to them, and he was performing miracles. And in verse 1, it says, after this, that Jesus went to the other side of the Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountainside, and there he sat down with his disciples Now the Passover, the Feast of the Jews, was at hand, Scripture says. You know, Passover was a very important time, and it was a very important feast in the Jewish world because it commemorated a time in their lives that was so memorable. It was where the Jews remembered they were slaves in Egypt, and now God had set them free. He set them free when the angel had passed over them because they had applied the blood to the doorposts so that they were kept safe from the wrath of God against the Egyptians. And they were ushered towards a new home called Canaan through a barren piece of land called the wilderness. And I just want to encourage you, any time that we are on our way to the promised land, we are going to go through the wilderness. Be reminded of that today. Scripture shows that. And so we have God's people celebrating Passover, the time when they were delivered from old Egypt and on their way to the new Canaan through the uncertainty of the wilderness. And it's during this time that the Jews would be thinking about feasts, about lambs, and about deliverance. And that was something amazing to be observed. In verse 5, it says, lifting up his eyes in and seeing what a large crowd is coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, 
where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? It's a great question. And we understand he said this, the Bible said, to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. The miracle that is taking place in this passage is taking place in Philip's neighborhood. This is where he grew up. He knew it well. He knew the area. And so Jesus asked Philip, Philip, how are we going to feed all of these people? There's a lot of people here. How are we going to feed them? And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get even a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, look at this. You see the answer by Philip. Eight months worth of salary cannot feed all of these people. I mean, you understand this. We don't even have the ability, Jesus, to address this problem. If God already knows what he's going to do, why should we even pray about it? You ever thought about that? Why even discuss it? God, why don't you just go ahead and do it, right? Why does God ask Philip the question, given the fact that Jesus knows what he's already intended to do? It says he wants to test him. And he wants to see whether all the sermons that Philip's been saying amen to over the last couple of years, the moments that he's been walking with Jesus, have you been paying attention in this moment, Philip, to understand what is being said? And you look at this and you see the test is taking place. Today, I believe there's a test that's taking place in the world that we live in. It's a test that's taking place. It's a testing of our faith. And I believe this passage speaks to that very appropriately today. See, let's look at this because we're caught between the sovereignty of God, that Jesus knew what he's about ready to do, and then the involvement of men. Did you know today that God already has the answer to the questions that he raises in your life at this moment? He already has the answers to them, to the things that come into your life that that pose inquiries. Jesus already knows what he's about ready to do in them. He knows what he's going to do, and he knows how he's going to do it. So if you've got a question about about a situation today that's maybe too big for you, it's called a test. It's called a test. And so Jesus wants to know what are you going to do with what you have been hearing. Philip doesn't know at the moment what he's going to do, but he knows this. He's faced with a multitude of people. You know, life gets that way sometimes, doesn't it? It really does. Where there's a multitude of problems, stuff coming at us from every direction, and it's much bigger than what we know and what we know how to do and how to deal with it. Philip does two interesting things. Philip takes out his calculator and starts adding. He starts calculating. He starts thinking in his reasoning. He says, 200 denarii can't fix this problem. Eight months of wages won't even cut it. I mean, you got to understand. I don't know if you've ever looked at what you make and what you owe. And this is where Philip is at. Compare, and you see this in comparison to the two, you know, like my next month's worth of salary will not be anywhere near In fact, I can work all year, and it's not going to fix the multitude of bills that I have. He's comparing them out, and you're looking and saying, wait, it's too much. It's too much, and he starts to calculate, and stuff doesn't even add up. And what he's doing is he's facing an impossible situation, and he does what we do, and that is we apply human knowledge and human calculation only to discover it's not enough. 
it's not enough. And any person can come up with that conclusion. There, there's not enough stores. There's not enough money. Philip got caught up with his knowledge and math, and he determined it all based on his human reasoning. And in fact, he calculated that it is an impossible situation. It's too much. And it, it never occurred to Philip that Jesus was the one asking the question. Never occurred to him at that moment. But you understand that once we understand in our own lives that Jesus, if you're here, it's enough. Jesus, if you'll just speak the word, it's absolutely enough for me to go through. And you see, he saw the multitude and he forgot the Lord. And we do this so many times in our life. I know that I have as well that you, you see the crowd you see it surrounding you, and you get lost in, in what you can't see, and, and then you get lost in what you can see, and all of that, and how's it going to work out? What's going to take place? Do you know that God never goes into an emergency session? Ever? God never has a special meeting. He always knows what he's going to do in the test. Andrew is out in the crowd at this time, Scripture says, and he sees uh, only this little boy and this little sack lunch. In verse 9, it says, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? This doesn't add up. What are they for so many? He had been sent out by Jesus. Check it out. See what's going on. Bring back to me what you find. And he finds only a little bit of food and two barley loaves and some fish, but what is that to deal with all of this? What's going to take place now because this isn't enough? And he looked at the little and he disregarded it because it didn't fit in the terms of addressing the need that he faced. If you look at this, just a couple things inside of the story that I'm sure you've heard so many times, is here you have this young boy who is insignificant at one point because his name's not even given. And then also we know that he's poor. He's very poor. How do we know that he's poor? Because he has barley loaves. Those barley loaves were poor man's bread in that day. It wasn't fresh bread. It was poor man's bread. And you see that Jesus uses insignificant people like this boy and like you and like me today. And though we might not even have much, he's still going to use what we have to perform a multiplication miracle. Jesus said in verse 10, have the people sit down. Now, there was so much grass, so much grass in the place, so the men sat down about 5,000 in number. In other words, let's get ready to eat, right? That's what he's telling them. It's like, come to the table, have a seat. It's time to eat. And what Jesus is saying, position the people for a miracle. Position them and get them ready you get the people in place so that when the miracle comes, they're ready for the miracle. Put them in the position. Let me tell you how you know if you're operating in faith today. When you position yourself. When you and I position ourselves for what God wants to do, that means we're operating in faith. Because they still don't know what God's going to do. But Jesus sits them down, and he positions them, and he gets them ready for verse 11. And it says that then Jesus took the loaves, 
And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. Jesus took the same loaves and said, let's have a prayer of thanksgiving right now. Jesus gave thanks over the little bit that he had. And, you know, he wasn't doing what you and I do. We can complain of what we do not have. He said, God, even though what I have is is not enough for what I need, I'm going to praise you for what I have today and in this moment. Well, I position myself for what you intend to do that I don't know about yet because Jesus hasn't said anything up to this moment. Jesus understood something we don't when you take a little and give it to the hands of God. When you take nothing and you give it to him and you say, God, take what is insignificant and I'm going to give you thanks. It is in that moment that God can perform a miracle. You know, it's in this that the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and supplication, don't forget this, with thanksgiving. Can you say thanksgiving with me? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God today. Can you hear Jesus praying? I mean, right now. Can you just hear him praying as he takes what looks to be so insignificant to this large crowd of people. Maybe something along the lines like, Father, we have 5,000 men, but we've got maybe 15 to 20,000 people here with women and children. And we don't have enough stores, and we don't have enough money in the bank, but we do have a need. We do have a need, God. And we're here to do your business. And Lord, I'm going to take these sardines and these two barley loaves And I'm going to situate your people, God, for a blessing. And I'm going to leave it up to you, Father, to address this situation that is bigger than me. You know, it didn't say he distributed to those who were there. Did you catch that? He distributed enough to those who believed him enough to sit down. If you weren't seated you didn't eat. If you didn't sit down, you didn't partake. You had to be willing to position yourself for a blessing. I want you to catch this today. So there are people many times who go around and say that they trust God, but they're standing up and trying to do what they can do. And they understand it's not enough. But but when we position ourselves before God, it shows us that our faith and our trust is inside of him today rather than in mankind. You have to sit down. Would you tell somebody to sit down today? You just need to sit down and you need to learn to trust God in this and stop being anxious and stop worry. If God only gives you sardines and crackers, it's time for you to get your praise on today. That we need to give thanks because that's what he's given to us and he's about ready to do a miracle on our behalf. Let me tell you another thing about this little boy. It says Jesus took the loaves and fish and he blessed it. That meant the boy had to be willing to give it up. I wonder today, what is it in your life that you are willing to give up for God to take so that he can do a miracle? That you would stop, that we would stop holding on to the things that we think will save us and trust him enough and give it to him. Wow. 
like a little boy, thank you for entrusting this to me, to my disciples. And now I'm about ready to do a miracle on your behalf. He multiplied what they had. In verse 12, it says, And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Don't throw away your leftovers because there's a blessing in your leftovers. Don't throw it away. When God gives you leftovers, he's given it to you for a point. It says, gather up the leftovers that nothing be wasted or lost. And so they gathered up. We know what he filled. He filled 12 baskets, 12 disciples, right, from five barley loaves. You know When you read about this miracle, what it can seem is God just made new loaves, but that is not what the text says. It says it came from the five. So he stretched what he had and had 12 baskets of leftovers. 12 baskets for 12 disciples. That God is letting them know that he is the one that can meet their need. And he is the one that can meet your need today. And he can do so exceedingly abundantly above whatever we ask or think. Why? Because I have my own leftover basket as well. Why, when God comes through this, is there a leftover? Verse 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who's coming to the world, right? He's coming to the world. Verse 15, perceiving then that they were about ready to come and take him by force to make him king. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Don't miss this now at the end. Why did he do this? They've just gone through the miracle. They've just seen it. They've just partaken together. They say this is indeed the prophet who's come into the world, but Jesus perceiving and understanding their thoughts He withdraws again. Why? Because he understood, even in seeing the miracle, they still wanted their way rather than his way. You know, they were in essence saying, you know, anybody can turn sardines into a Moby Dick sandwich. And anybody who can come up with Operation Breadbasket like this should be king. And so many people just want Jesus' newfangled meal. They don't want him. They just want his blessings. Listen, I I pray today for each and every one of us that we get the breakthrough. that, that, That we get the answer to the question that we're going through. But that when the miracle is over, and you have the leftovers in hand, that you will praise him only and that you will want him only more than anything else in your life. You know, all those other things are good, but having the bread of life is better. God wants you to want him. That's the goal through this. That's where he's turning the heart of this world to. And for those that have a heart and, have, and want to have a heart of understanding, 
will turn their focus on Jesus and look to him in these days and truly see him as our savior and our rescuer. Will you join me in prayer today? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today of John chapter 6. That God, we understand that we don't have the ability to address the problems that we are going through today, but you do. Lord, help us not to become so fixated on the crisis that we forget you. Help us, Lord, not to just look to the multitudes and forget what you are doing. And that, God, we would position ourselves and get ready for a miracle today. And that we will take this moment and we will entrust what is in our hands, maybe the little that we have or the little that we own, and give it to you so that you would multiply its effects in our life, in our world, in our nation today, in our community. And for that, God, we will give you thanks because you are a faithful God that has never failed us once. And Lord, we give you the praise and we give you the honor. Today, as your head is bowed, maybe your eyes are closed at home or wherever you're at, Maybe you've never taken the opportunity to accept Christ into your life. You've never taken the opportunity, just like this little boy, to entrust your life into the hands of Jesus. You can at this moment make that choice for eternity by simply coming and saying, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. And make me new today in you. Father, I thank you for every person that's made a decision to follow you this morning. To follow you as the way and the truth and the life. And as the miracle worker. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.